All right. Welcome into Dog Central on a Friday afternoon. I'm Graham Coffey. That is John Tweet Sports, a.k.a. John Smith. Uh, we are here to talk a little Georgia LSU. This is our belated conference championship preview. Um, so hopefully you guys will enjoy this on your commute home or uh, this evening and tomorrow morning as we lead up to LSU Georgia at 4 o'clock tomorrow afternoon in the Mercedes-Benz Dome in downtown Atlanta. John, how are you feeling? What are you thinking about this game? Man, I'm feeling good. You know, I um, what an interesting, wild year in the SEC, especially in the SEC West, right? I mean, mm-hmm. if, if the SEC didn't have divisions, this would be Georgia versus Tennessee. But because we have divisions, <laughs> we are we are getting uh, LSU limping into Mercedes-Benz Stadium after getting beat by Texas A&M last week. Um, so I I think this game uh, there's a lot of intrigue um, that I you know we'll get into as we talk and we have our discussion. But I mean Kirby Smart has lost three in a row um, SEC mm-hmm. championship games in Mercedes-Benz, and so. You have an opportunity to do two things this week if you're Kirby Smart to win an SEC championship, which um, uh, only I don't know if anyone on this team has won an SEC championship. Um, no, it was 2017. Yeah, yeah. yeah Julian Rochester's gone now, so <laughs> <laughs> so so no one on the team has won an SEC championship. Uh, Kirby Smart has lost three in a row, and he's 0 2 versus LSU as Georgia's head coach. So he's got a big opportunity to do two things um, tomorrow and exercise some demons. So excited to see uh, how this goes down. Yeah, I am too. And, you know, I, I think last year's season for Georgia was so phenomenal and, you know, you, you won the national title. And so that's, that's obviously what kind of sticks in everyone's memory, but, but, Man, I remember uh, doing it for the month between that Alabama loss and that Michigan, uh, you know, college football playoff game, and it was it was tough, dude. Like people were down and depressed, and you know, uh, it, it felt like anytime you tried to say anything positive about Georgia or you know the the hopes that you had, like, because I, I thought Georgia was going to blow Michigan out in the Orange Bowl when I when I put on the tape, and there was a lot of pushback on that because that Alabama loss was so fresh for everyone. And, you know, I think that rivalry with Alabama and, you know, some of the implications with, with Saban and all that was, was very charged. And so I look at this now and I think, you know, LSU not being in contention for a playoff spot. Does that take a little shine off this game on the surface? Yes, absolutely. But you're still talking about a team with, you know, I think they're seventh in blue chip ratio in terms of their roster, yeah. which is 12 spots higher than Tennessee. Um, yeah. You know, like there's there's a lot of good football players on this team, and they've they've had a lot of really good moments this season. And Jaden Daniels is a really interesting player. You're talking about a quarterback that's, that's run for a thousand yards this season already. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good that's happened for LSU that I think a lot of people are kind of forgetting because of what they saw last week. But, mm-hmm. you know, before the Texas A&M game, uh, you know, this was kind of the crown jewel of the conference championship slate. You were talking about number one versus number five and just a lot of implications for both teams in terms of seeding and, you know, mm-hmm. for LSU in terms of actually trying to get into the tournament. So, 
Yeah, I, I want to caution people to kind of, you know, not gloss over this game too much, I guess. Yeah, I mean, correct, right? So last year, I, I'll remind people with this game, and and again, LSU, different team, different identity, um, which we'll talk about today, um, different, you know, um, new coaching staff and Brian Kelly and his first, you know, real opportunity on the national stage um, – for to play f- for an actual championship in the SEC. Um, but last year, you know, ESPN's FPI gave Georgia a 70% chance to beat Alabama in this SEC championship game, right? We all remember last yeah. year, Georgia coming in, Alabama was stumbling against uh, Auburn. Um, Alabama had played LSU to a LSU had played Alabama to a six point game last year. And so anything can happen in this game when you have this level of talent on both sides of the ball. These are guys that, you know, at the end of the day, um, all of these players for Georgia and for LSU were highly recruited. They're all very athletic. They're all very physical. Um, They all come from, uh, you know, high school backgrounds and pedigrees of very, you know, the highest level of competitive football. And so, um, anytime you have talent, uh, this much talent on both sides of the ball, um, you, you better you better be prepared because at the end of the day, um, anything can happen when you get in these situations. And we've seen it from Georgia, both you know, good and bad. Um, seen it, you know, teams come into this game and and just crazy stuff happens, right? So um, I, I definitely am with you. I, I I'm not taking this game for granted because LSU lost to Texas A&M and LSU didn't play that well versus Arkansas. Um, Because again, you, you look at the blue ship ratio, but you also look at, you know, I mean, Jaden Daniels um, is an incredibly athletic quarterback, maybe the most athletic quarterback that Georgia uh, is going to face all year. He's a little bit banged up, but you put these guys in these situations and, uh, and this is where the best players generally uh, find a way to shine on these stages. And so, Definitely agree with you. Don't take it for granted. Um, but also, Georgia, you know, Georgia's in a pretty good position. If you're going to win one, this is a good position to win one in right now. Yeah. So you've done a lot of study on LSU, yeah. uh, as we both kind of have. Like, yeah. what are what are your impressions, and, and how do you think they're going to try and approach this game? Yeah. I mean, I think LSU. I think t- two things are going to are going to happen for LSU because they have to happen when you play Georgia. LSU is going to be physical in this football game. This might be the most physical game that LSU plays all year, especially on the offensive line and the front seven of the defense. I think that um, I think that LSU and Brian Kelly and staff um, are going to try early in the game, especially to match up physically with Georgia and try to put Georgia in situations where. Uh, you know the best way to the best way to neutralize um, a team with the talent of Georgia is come out and hit them in the mouth. I mean, this is it's twenty it's twenty twenty two, but that's that's how you do it. You know, it's a uh, even with the with the athleticism, um, uh, the way that you try to neutralize that is you come out and you be physical. So I think LSU is going to be real physical. I think their wide receivers are are big and physical. Butte, Jenkins, Neighbors, those guys. Um, I think what LSU is going to try to do is they're going to try to put their wide receivers um, in positions where um, where the where they are gaining you know 
where they're staying ahead of the stick. So I don't see I don't see LSU. I don't think Jaden Daniels and I don't think LSU offensive line is in a state where um, they can try to sit back there and throw the ball down the field. But I do feel like they're going to try to take seven, eight. 10 yard chunks at a time um, and maybe get, you know, uh, Boutte or neighbors or one of those guys to try to break one. I think that's going to be their best bet. I also think that LSU is going to try to run the ball. I don't think it's a ball control kind of situation, but I think, you know, LSU is definitely going to try going back to that physical play. um, Just going to try to, to, for lack of a better term, they're just going to try to muck the game up, right? I mean, that's what yeah. <laughs> that's what you do in a in a situation like this versus a talented defense and an offense that has scored a lot of points this year for Georgia. Is you try to do what Kentucky, I think, tried to do when they played Georgia. You know, you just you just try to muck it up. You try to get into a position where um, you are controlling the ball as much as you can, um, and uh, you're trying to neutralize you know Georgia's ability to to score points. So that's what I think is going to happen from from the offensive side. Uh, the defensive side, I think it's going to be, you know, all about uh, getting to Stetson Bennett. I think they're going to try to turn uh, Gay and Ojolari loose on Stetson Bennett. Try to They have some good um, pressure packages um, with, you know, Perkins and, and some of those guys. And I think it's just going to be a matter of can, can they get Stetson off of his game early um Mm -hmm. all of this is about getting Georgia in a position where uh you know you've kind of knocked them off balance so that's what I think LSU is going to try to do and uh and we'll see if it works yeah I think for me um I definitely agree with your kind of assessment or um I guess you know analysis that LSU really likes to play physical and I think a lot of people think like they have a really talented wide receiving core, which they do. And they've got, you know, this mobile quarterback and, and they do run some spread concepts. When you flip on the tape, there's a lot of, you know, 11 and 12 personnel, two tight Mm -hmm. end sets, one tight end sets. And then even when they're not in that, you know, tight end kind of heavy formations, they are running a lot of tight formations and those wide receivers are big bodies. So those guys come in there and, block you know sometimes like a tight end to to spring certain things in the run game uh you know you look at lsu this year and and you look at kind of their offensive tendencies and you're talking about a team that runs the ball up the middle a lot and we were talking about daniels earlier like yes he is you know a a scrambling threat but they do run a lot of design runs. He's got 53, 53 design runs this year for 6.7 yards in attempt. Uh, some, you know, lots of quarterback power, quarterback sweep concepts with him. So that's, you know, I think puts even more like importance on the health of that ankle. But if you take him out of the running game, they run a ton of inside zone read. So far this season, 23.1% of all plays that they have run have been inside zone read, 182 attempts, and they have a 55.5% success rate doing it. And, you know, that that's a lot of – that's a lot of yards. Like, I mean, they've run for almost 1,000 yards just off inside zone read in 2022. And then, you know, their second most used play is inside power. So, I mean, this is a lot of, like, you look at their middle three of that offensive line – and they are, you know, getting behind those guards and center a lot. That seems to be 
kind of their, you know, what they feel like is the strength, I think, of of their front five. And it's interesting because if you look at how those guys pass protect on that offensive line, like the right tackle, Emory Jones, different Emory mm-hmm. Jones. Um, <laughs> yeah, number 50. Like he's given up 31 pressures this year and has been a huge liability. But then you move over next to him in the right guard, uh, 75 Bradford. Mm-hmm is a really, really good run block, a little bit of a, a weakness at guard. And so I think for Georgia, a lot of this game on defense comes down to the fact that you have Jalen Carter and they don't, <laughs> and that mm-hmm. you have yeah. Nazir Stackhouse as well, who has been, I think, probably one of the more unsung players on this UGA roster this year. He's done a phenomenal job, and it seems like he's gotten better week by week. But, like, he's been a monster against the run over the last, you know, half of the season, I would say, uh, you know, going back to that Tennessee game in particular. So I, I think that bodes well for Georgia. But it's also, if you're LSU, you know, if you look at Daniel Satline, mm-hmm. he's a 68% passer. And then you start getting into that a little more and you realize, like, when you turn, turn on the tape, I think me, what I see is a guy who, is a half second late on and kind of like needs to see the, the, the guy open before he mm-hmm. feels comfortable releasing it. He's not a quarterback who's throwing guys open or is particularly good with timing routes beyond like, you know, curls and stuff that are just taking advantage of like large cushions his receivers are, are getting. So I, I think this, it just makes things interesting because it's like, if he's not, at his usual, you know, athletic ability and scrambling ability, <clears throat> excuse me, with that ankle, then, you know, we, we saw this against Tennessee for Georgia somewhere, uh, you know, they were only rushing four, maybe five. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and there were times where Tennessee's offensive line would do a pretty good job and give mm-hmm. Hendon Hooker, you know, four or five seconds to throw, but nobody would come open because that back end was just, really, really locked in that day and did a phenomenal job. And I I think, you know, if I'm LSU, that's my concern is that Daniels, you know, there's a lot of plays where he will get a one-on-one matchup. And you would think Mm -hmm. with the size of those receivers, man, like Butte is a big body. Neighbors is a big body. Jerry Jenkins is a guy, you know, he plays 90% of the time on the boundary and Mm -hmm. I think is very impressive in the air, has good body control and good good ball skills and then you have that big tight end taylor like that's four big dudes to throw the ball up to and doesn't look very comfortable throwing those 50 50 ball in one matchups a lot of the time and i right there's part of me that's like he's less mobile probably so maybe that helps georgia sack him and keep him in the pocket there's also part of me it's like mobility force him to just let it rip you know, because I think that's what you got to do if you're LSU. All right, Jaden, like yeah. you got to go out there and you got to throw that ball up when it's, you know, when it's Ringo and, and uh, mm-hmm. neighbors on the edge and, and see what happens. And that's, you know, our best shot. And I, I just, I don't think like everybody else Georgia's played, I don't think they can just drive the ball down the field on Georgia, especially as dependent on the run and the inside run as they are. I think they need big plays. And I think they kind of need to score from far. Like, I think they need to stay out of the red zone almost. 
Agree. Yeah, I think that I think the the tighter the field gets for LSU, I think the tougher it's going to be for them for two reasons. One, Jaden Daniels' mobility, like you mentioned, but two, I I don't you know, um, Georgia has been extremely good in the red zone, and I and I also think like if if you can't give if there is a weakness on Georgia's defense, a lot of it is in the boundary or sometimes in some of those intermediary throws where you get guys like we saw it against Georgia tech, right? Where Georgia tech got a mismatch with Javon Bullard and tech Gibson was able to hit a guy over the top for, you know, 30 yards down the field for a shot. Like that's the really your, your best chance at beating Georgia is finding these um, kind of interme- intermediate uh, mismatches with a guy like, like Javon 20 Bullard. to 30 yard plays. Yeah. 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 You have to. And so if you, if you get it in tight on Georgia, the physicality of the defensive line is going to beat you or the secondary just doesn't have to, they don't have to think about anything behind them and that's when they play their best. Um, And so I think that, you know, I think that you're, you're exactly right. I do think you bring up a great point too. If I'm Brian Kelly, I probably am telling Jaden Daniels, like, just let it rip. You don't have anything to lose. You're not in a situation where, yeah, a close win is a close loss is going to get you nothing at this point. Um, uh, a, a win is, you know, at the end of the day, is really not going to get you that much either. You know, maybe a new, a better New Year's Six bowl, but at the end of the day, um, you don't have anything to lose by going out and turning the ball over and losing badly. <laughs> if that's <laughs> that sounds tough, right? That's but right. like. But losing, yeah, losing to Georgia by ten versus losing to Georgia by twenty-five in this game is not going to do anything for LSU. Um, no. There's no moral victory that's going to help them with recruiting or anything else. So you might as well go ahead, go out and let it rip. Let these wide receivers go up and try to try to go up for 50-50 balls. Let the wide receivers be physical on the boundary and on the outside. Um, and you know, you mentioned this in our preview, our, our season preview, way back um, when we were talking about LSU this year. And you mentioned, you know, that LSU may have the best wide receiving core in the SEC, and I think that's still true. I think these guys, you know, um, I think you know they they may not be the have proven to be the best um, necessarily in in the production, um, but I still think they're probably equally as talented with any other group, including Tennessee. Yeah. When you look at when you look at how they play the game, and so um, I think it's a great point. Deep. If I'm Brian Kelly, I I am definitely uh, you know I'm letting it all hang out. What 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 else are you going to do? It's uh, at the end of the day, it's it's there's nothing there's nothing to do but uh, like like our uh, you know our friend. Um, at another school said, you know, you just got to drop your nuts. Um, yeah. And let it, and let it, so <laughs> South Carolina. Camp, the Cam words of Cam Smith. Yeah. Smith, yeah. The words no, of I, Cam Smith. <laughs> I think you're right. And then, you know, one thing I, I kind of did when I was working on the uh, deep dive preview over at Dog Central, which you guys can go check out. It's free on dogcentral.com. But, man, you know, I, I started looking at uh, Daniel's downfield mm-hmm. passing numbers and mm-hmm. like I was just kind of shocked like Jack Beck who is their kind of second tight end like their blocking tight end yeah like he has more yeah. 20 plus yard catches this year than like booty and yeah these other receivers and and I think yeah. you know you look at Daniels on throws of 20 plus yards this year he's just mm-hmm. six of 20 when throwing down the left sideline and yeah you know, he's 5'11", throwing down the right sideline. And then down the middle, he's 5'8". 
And so it's like, I, mm. I think he, you know, that kind of goes back to what we we're talking about where it's like, he needs to see guys open and they, they run a yep. lot of like, you know, flood stuff where, you know, they're going to roll him to one side of the field and he's gonna be able to see down that, you know, mm-hmm. down that hash and, and see somebody coming open instead of having to put more trajectory on the ball and lift it over a defensive back. And you also see a lot of plays where, you know, if, if they're having success down the middle, like we were just talking about, like a lot of times it's, you know, it's throwing down the, the center of the field, especially if he's in the pocket. So I think that's the like fascinating thing here is can he do that? You know what I mean? Because like the numbers would say yeah. if, if he's throwing outside the numbers, you know, on 20 plus yard throws, he is mm-hmm. 11 of 31 this year, which is, you know, right about 35%, which, yeah. you know, you might hear that and think, well, that's not bad for deep shots, but like, you look at Bennett, you look at Hooker, uh, you look mm-hmm. at a lot of other, you know, productive quarterbacks in the SEC and nationally, and those guys are around 50% in that in that category. Yep. So, you know, that's that's a pretty significant drop off of, you know, that's, that's one or two less completions out of every 10 passes. And I think, you know, we've talked about Ringo a lot over the course of the mm-hmm. season and and he had a little bit of a rough start to that game against Georgia Tech but at the end of the day you you flip it up and it's like they targeted him nine times they had three completions yeah. for 30 something yards and you know probably most impressively he had three pass breakups in that game where you know he's getting his mm-hmm. hand on the ball so i i was impressed with how he responded and i think that's one area that Georgia is kind of fortunate in is, is that these guys on that back end even the young guys like Starks have played, you know, basically a full season of football now. And Ringo has given up enough plays as a college player to where he's not going to get too high or low. You know what I mean? Like he's yeah. he's never too up or down. And I think that's that's a huge advantage for Georgia in this game because I think there's a chance he does give up, you know, an early deep ball or two. But we know he's yeah. going to just kind of keep rolling and – he's mm-hmm. he's likely to maybe make a pick as well you know um so yeah well one of the things so so um so Jaden daniels uh has um 12 big time throws per pff so essentially a throw that's generally further down the field in a tight window you know it's kind of like that that the money ball they've thrown so he has 12 this year out of out of 348 attempts or 238 completions uh but seven of those um eight of those i'm sorry have come in the last four games right so what lsu has been doing i think they had to do it against texas a&m but they have been doing a lot of what we're talking about i mean they've been trying to push right. the ball a little bit a little bit more um and i think you know i i agree with you i don't I think Ringo. I think a lot of the Georgia fan base, because of the struggles early versus Georgia Tech, have uh, have given uh, Keely Ringo a little bit of too much grief over this last week. I think. I think um, in this type of game, Keely Ringo has definitely proven himself um, this year. Right, uh, Tennessee kept throwing at him, kept throwing at him, kept throwing at him, and um, with with very little success. And so, um, I think I think you're in a position that if, that you're going to have to find. You're gonna have to, LSU will test that. They will test Keeley. I think they will test Javon Bullard in coverage. Um, but at the end of the day, um, it is gonna come down to Georgia's, you know, really that front four 
Um, and I also think, you know, Jaden Daniels is is hobbled, but um, Georgia is going to have to do a better job than than we've done in the last few weeks of setting the edge with some of the run games. Yes. Um, because I do think the, the key to opening up that pass and, and taking those targets downfield is being able to run the ball effectively. And, and that's, a, that is a concern for me personally, as you get, you know, some of LSU's running backs um, on the edge uh, or maybe even Javen Daniels, if he's, even if he's a little bit hobbled, he's able to get outside a little bit and uh, that could, that could definitely cause some problems for sure. Yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, uh, we were talking, I don't know, 10 minutes ago, I was giving yeah. you, you know, like, over 33% of LSU's plays this year have been inside runs, inside power and inside zone. Yeah. But if I was LSU and I turned on the Georgia tape, I I would zone read the shit out of Chaz Chambliss every time I saw him on the field. Mm. And I'm sorry, you know, like yeah. that's just the, the reality. And we've kind of talked about it at this point. Like we don't have anything against Chaz. I think he plays hard, but just he doesn't often play the run very well. And, you know, I think – Georgia, you, you know, Robert Beal is no phenomenal run stopper, but he he does it right nine out of ten times. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he he's, you know, he plays things the right way, even if he's not making the tackle, he's forcing guys into his help. And I think if you're LSU, like I would make Chambliss, if I see him in the game, even if it's third and seven, I would make him prove that when I put that, you know, if I'm Daniels and I put that ball into – the mesh point with my running back. I want to see him stop and I want to see him open his body to me and, you know, force that handoff because his tendency has been to, to crash into the backfield and, and leave a lot of space behind him, you know, off the, the left or right side of the line. And even if Daniels is 80%, he's fast enough to, to take that open lane and, and get 10 yards in the first down. So yeah, I, I'm very curious to see if LSU will break tendency. And I'm curious to see how Georgia does against these tackles who have not been great this year, you know, because yeah. I, I think, like, this could be a breakout game for a Michael Williams. Uh, I think this could be a big day for a guy like Ingram Dawkins, who mm -hmm. we are seeing Georgia play more and more on the edge. Like, it, it seems like, you know, the, Georgia knows that they are light on true edge bodies right now. Yep. And and Marvin Jones Jr. got his ankle dinged up last week. So that's a that's a five-star guy that's built the way that you want your edges to be built. And he made some really nice plays at the end of that tech game against their first team. And then all of a sudden he goes down. So I think you will have to see, you know, even Carter playing some kind of like four eye Trevon Walker style defensive end, you know, alignment where where these guys are tight and it's their job to, you know, to two gap. And, and to be responsible for both the, you know, outside shoulder of the tackle and the inside shoulder of the tackle and, and jumping into those gaps if a running play comes that way. So we'll see how it goes. But I, I do think, like, Georgia's defensive line is probably the best one that LSU has played. And, and the mm -hmm. best one that they've played probably before that from a talent standpoint was Texas A&M. And, and we kind of saw what Texas A&M did to them in that game when they got yeah. sort of into the mud. So I think Georgia may have kind of a what like there's been so much talk about Georgia's pressure this year. And I've come to the conclusion that like when Georgia wants to get pressure and needs to get pressure, they they get pressure normally. But teams have been 
like basically surrendering the idea like that that they can get pressure all year and saying we're going to get the ball out in under two seconds. And mm-hmm. I think LSU can't really do that in this game. And that's not Daniel's game. So I think we are going to see some plays where, you know, Georgia's getting in the backfield and chasing him around. And, uh, you know, Georgia's secondary is going to have to do a good job of kind of scramble drill type stuff and, and staying well in position. And, yeah. and you know, I, I you might see a pick or two on Saturday from, from Georgia as well, just as yeah. I think this game could snowball on LSU a little bit to where they just start having to do things they're not comfortable with. Yeah, I, I think so. My my prediction, and I and I would love to hear, I would love to hear some thoughts on who you think is going to be MVP on offense and the defense for Georgia uh, this week. But before we do that, I um, I think Georgia is is going to try to come out and have the kind of start that they had uh, versus Oregon, right? Like I think Georgia is going to try to come out and put LSU in a really tough position where like Georgia forced Oregon forced Bo Nix to start having to try to take some shots because they just came out and started so quickly. And I think it's going to be the same thing. Yeah. So, so Stetson, yeah. Stetson does have a 2017 SEC championship ring. Robert, so Beal, one. Has one Robert Beal has one. Okay. The so Robert Beal gotcha. and Stetson Bennett have a championship ring. Uh, they are the, the lone two on this roster. Nice. Yeah. I, I think so. I mean, what, what are your MVP kind of selections? Oh, uh, I think, you know, uh, I think my, my MVP. So I think on the offensive side of the ball, um, uh, I think, you know, it's tough uh, to pick one, but I think Darnell Washington is going to have a big game. I think um, I think both from a blocking standpoint um, and from uh, catching the ball. If I had to pick, I think he's going to be the X factor. I, I obviously think Georgia's going to use um, Brock Bowers. I think, you know, um, Georgia's probably going to try to do some of the similar stuff they've done with Ladd uh, this year as well but I think Darnell Washington is going to have a big day on the offensive side of the ball on the defensive side of the ball. I'm honestly, I'm going to, I'm going to say Javon Bullard. I think Georgia's going to try to do some of similar things that they did to, um, to Tennessee and Hendon hooker, especially with Jaden Daniels being a little banged up. I think, yeah. I think Georgia's probably going to send Javon Bullard uh, on some pressure packages, a pretty good bit and just try to just try to force, uh, force the issue with Jaden Daniels and, you know, see if he can get off the spot or not. Um, so I, I think Javon Buller is going to have a big day on the defensive side. Yeah, I like it. Um, I think, you know, just to kind of like give you a little more evidence on that Darnell Washington case, um, you know, Texas A&M ran the ball outside the tackles a ton on LSU last yeah. week. Uh, going off the right edge with an inline tight end, six carries for 73 yards, 12.2 wow. yards in attempt. And then running off the left edge with an inline tight end, 12 carries for 77 yards. And the longest of those 12 carries was like 17, which is a chunk play. But, you know, mm-hmm. five, five of their 12 carries off the uh, left edge w- went for first downs. So, I mean, like they were consistently getting success. This wasn't the case of hitting one play after being shut down all night. Um, and then they had 10 carries for 62 yards off left tackle. So I expect Darnell to to be in there run blocking a lot tomorrow as, as you do. And, you know, I also expect uh, Georgia's, you know, Georgia's tackles to, to do a lot of work as well. I think for me, I, I'm very interested to see how Georgia plays this. I think Georgia is going to come out a little more aggressive 
like you were saying, kind of a la Oregon, uh, Oregon game in Atlanta. Like, I think Georgia will use that short passing game some and, and kind of, you know, use some of that screen game and, and also take some shots downfield because I think they want to leave that running game open. And I, I think Georgia's going to run the ball plenty, but I think, you know, we're, we're going to see a large percentage of, of Bennett's passing attempts in the first half as Georgia kind of tries to build a lead and, and run a little bit of tempo. So I am going to, man, I'm going to go with old reliable here. I think Brock Bowers, uh, kind of, you know, I mean, dude, he had what 15 catches in this game last year. Something absurd yeah. that everyone kind of like 170 something yards. It was yeah. insane. I think we're going to see Georgia try and get him in space and let him do some things after the catch. And I mean, everyone's concentrated on shutting him down this year and taking him away first and rightfully so. Uh, But I I think, you know, Georgia, I'm hoping and, you know, the the more that I hear, the more positive I feel that we are, you know, as likely to see A.D. Mitchell tomorrow as we have been all year since his injury, it feels like. Like, you know, and, and not just like see him as a decoy, but like actually him out there, you know, taking kind of a, a George Pickens number of snaps, like from this game last year, you know, in, in mm-hmm. the teens, maybe. Um, so that really changes how you have to defend Georgia. And, you know, even even if he's not wide open, just lofting a ball over to him on the sideline out of bounds just just changes how the safeties have to think. And I think probably opens some things up for Bowers. So I'll go with Bowers as offensive MVP. And then uh, on the defense, I am going – I'm going to go with Michael Williams, man. I, I'm going to stick with my it. guns there. I think, uh, you know, I, I think he he comes in and, and kind of crashes into some gaps and has some nice plays in the run. But uh, I'm going with uh, two-plus sacks for Michael tomorrow. All right. I love it. Well, if Michael gets two plus sacks and Brock Bowers gets eight catches, I think it's going to be a gigantic it's day. It's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Um, what? Uh, so, what do you think? Do you have a final score prediction? I, yeah, I do, and I do think it's going to be a bloodbath. I think Georgia. Uh, I think Kirby Smart. I think two two things Kirby Smart has said this week has been very clear for Georgia. One. This team is trying to do something that last year's team did not do, which is win an SEC championship. Um, and uh, and couple that with you know with Kirby losing his last three SEC championship games as a head coach, um, I think they're pulling out mo- not all the stops. They're going to save a good bit for the playoffs, but I think they're pulling out most of the stops tomorrow. And I think it's going to be a forty-four to thirteen kind of game. Um, I could I could even see it being you know forty-four to to 10 or maybe even 44 to six, but I'll give LSU a, a touchdown and a couple of field goals. So 44 to 13. So I'm, I'm in the same ballpark with you in terms of how many points LSU will score. Uh, I, I got them at 13 um, proof, proof it, that I didn't steal it from you that, uh, you know, on the <laughs> article that I posted last night for my, my game preview, but I got Georgia at 34 to 13. Uh, which would be kind of some interesting symmetry because uh, Georgia lost the 03 SEC championship game to LSU by that score. And, you know, I, I was there. They, they got us, I think, twice, uh, twice that year in 03. I, I wouldn't be shocked at all if Georgia gets to 40 points in this game. 
I just think, you know, I think Georgia's going to score like, you know, 24 to 27 in the first half and then just do the, you know, like the, the boa constrictor thing that they do and, and run the ball a lot and just kind of you know, try to get out of there as healthy and as quickly as possible uh, over the last like 20, 25 minutes of this game. So we'll see. Uh, but yeah, I, I do. I do like Georgia, you know, this Georgia team, when they can run the ball, they can do almost anything. And we, we've seen them kind of get back to basics the last couple of weeks, trying to make sure that they're running the ball well. This offensive line, uh, from what I've been told, like has had one of their, their best kind of stretches of practice of the year. Uh, and, and I think this team like really, really wants – to do something that last year's team didn't do. And I think they want to finish this thing the right way and go 15 and 0. And uh, I think they're going to come out focused and, and, you know, last year against Alabama, this team was not locked in and focused the way that they should have been. And kind of, you know, that success of the regular season sort of got to their heads a little bit. And mm -hmm. that's kind of the beauty for Georgia of the last couple of weeks of, you know, playing a 10 point game against Kentucky that was, pretty ugly to watch for everybody. And then, you know, sort of, you know, ha being in a close game at halftime with Georgia tech, like it, it kind of humbles these guys a little bit, I think. And, mm -hmm. you know, that there might be some intention behind that from the staff as well in terms mm -hmm. of how some of that's played out. So I expect Georgia to have a good performance. I don't think you're going to see, you know, double reverse touchdown passes or, you know, too many crazy wrinkles, but I think Georgia's gonna get the ball downfield enough to keep, you know, keep LSU from stacking the box against that run game. And if they can do that, then they're gonna have a nice day. I like it. I like it. Um, well, there are our predictions 44 to 13, 34 to 14 to 13. Um, either way, yes, I think Georgia fans will take that. Um, Graham, do you want to talk a little bit about the other championships in the college football playoff? Yeah. Uh, right. So we have, we, have one. we have that question. Let's go ahead and answer that. Yeah. All right. Question from an Auburn fan. Auburn fan here just wondering why many, many people don't want to see Alabama get in the college football playoff. Are they afraid or what? Just wanted to know. Why do people not want to see Alabama get in the CFP? I think – I don't think there's like a conspiracy behind it. I think it's because they've lost two games. They don't deserve to be in the CFP. I mean, <laughs> I heard the argument of like Bama should be five over Ohio state because two of the games they lost this year were on the last play. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, the problem with that logic is that they also, you know, won three games on the last play. <laughs> So it's like it's not, you know, it's it's not just like, oh, they blew everybody out and they had these two really close games that were losses. Like, what's the best win on their resume? Probably Ole Miss, right? Like, yeah. they beat Ole Miss 30-24 to 24 in a game where they had 317 total yards. You know how many teams have had less total yards than that against Ole Miss this year? Two, Georgia Tech mm. and Central Arkansas. Mm. Every uh, other nine teams that Ole Miss has played this year put up more yards on them than Alabama did. So. Yeah. Long story short, they're just not that good of a football team. And if they didn't have a script A on their helmet, they, you know, well, I guess they don't have a script A on their helmet. But if they didn't have crimson helmets with numbers on the side of them, um, they, you know, I think they would be ranked more around 10 
than yeah. six. And it's just they when you talk about game control, they have not controlled games this year yeah. at all. That's all very astute analysis for twenty for the twenty twenty two season. I'll tell you why many, many people don't want to see Alabama get in the CFP. It's because of damn Alabama privilege. No one wants to see an Alabama team who did all the things that you just mentioned, who came within three plays of losing five, potentially five games this year to get into a college football playoff just because they're Alabama. Um, And I think it goes back to the 2017 season, which – Kudos to Alabama. They won a national championship on a walk-off, you know, second and 26. But that team didn't even win their division and got in the college football playoff. Got to sit at home and watch an SEC championship and slide into the college football playoff. That's why people don't want to see Alabama get in the college football playoff. Yes, they are undeserving. Yes, they, they played poorly this year. Yes, they had two losses. All those things. At the end of the day... It is because 2017, when they got to sit there and watch Georgia and Auburn beat each other to death, and Tyler Simmons was onside, <laughs> and all of those things happened, uh, the repeat of that happening again in 2022 is is what at least Georgia fans do not want to see. And I think most of college football is some similar uh, sentiment to that. Um we don't we don't want to see you be able to sit at home while other teams go out and play a 13th game and then you slide into the playoff because um it, you couldn't even win your division and so that's my thoughts and you so, know I, I i think at the end of the day um i think at the end of the day i don't think it matters because i don't think the committee is going to put alabama in uh even if usc and tcu lose um I think Ohio State gets in. If, yeah. Correct. All right. But so here, uh, Cousin Eddie makes a very good <laughs> point here. They they lost too many games to make the college football playoff, and they let them in. I Like, I've been kind of, you know, I, I put out some of those stats on Twitter this week, and, of course, like, Bama Twitter found it and was like, you know, you're scared. And I was like, dude, nobody, nobody's scared of a team that, like, gave up 50 to Tennessee. I'm sorry. Yeah. Like, please, no one please, is give, me this, give me this Alabama team. I watched them yeah. against Tennessee. I like, watched them. I, yeah, please. I would rather face them than Michigan. I think I'd rather face them than Ohio State, honestly. Um, you know, like, I I think them and USC are pretty similar. No offensive line, all-star quarterback, good enough receivers to, to make some things happen, and bad defense. So, yeah. I – like, nobody's scared of – the Alabama mystique this season. There's not cool. like some some you know fear based uh, thing going on here. They're just not. No one enough. is scared of Bill O'Brien. No one is That's, scared of Bill O'Brien. That's a quote of the century right there. Um, so yeah, I, I think that I hope that answers the question. Um, you know, I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole of the twelve team uh, CFP because. Yeah. Like that announcement was made, and, and we can do probably a we could do a two and a half hour podcast on that. Uh, and, and we might in off season, maybe yeah, that'll be a yeah. good or one. even you know maybe between uh, the championship game and the playoff, there we'll we'll Perfect. talk about it. But uh, yeah, you know what? I'm going to avoid that entirely. Let's just talk about the rest of the conference championship slate, and yep. we'll we'll you know 
give some thoughts and analysis. So tonight we have uh, actually before the Pac-12 championship game, we have the uh, Conference USA championship game. Good old CUSA, uh, North Texas, Mean Green on the road at UT San Antonio. The Roadrunners. This is a big Roadrunner household for the record. Jeff Trailer, uh, one of the GOAT college football coaches, in my opinion. Um, UTSA. UTSA is an eight and a half point favorite. That's a big line. Uh, do you do you do you have any uh, plays for this game personally, or you know any thoughts? Man, I. Uh, I... I will be very surprised if UTSA doesn't cover this eight and a half. Um, uh, I think this is going to be a high scoring game. I think the over under is like 70, right? Or it's maybe more than 70. Uh, but the over, the over under is there's 70. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's okay. So it's 70. Yeah. This, this game, uh, this, these two teams have the propensity to score a lot of points. Um, I'm, I'm just gonna, you know, uh, my, my lock is UTSA, uh, covering the eight and a half. Um, I think North Texas is going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit outmanned by this 10 win uh, UTSA roadrunner team. I agree. Um, I agree that UTSA is going to be better than North Texas. I think UTSA has not just a like good conference USA G5 defense like they have a good college defense I think they're top 10 in most defensive categories so I'm gonna go with the under 70 I think it's gotten I think think that number is too much um agree I'm not you know sprinkling like my life on it or anything like that but you know just just in case the Pac-12 title gets out of hand you want to have a a rooting interest in the other game happening so uh well and I think if you know I I think if UTSA and Texas was sixty with a was a sixty one point total, um, I think it's hard to find North Texas and UTSA getting getting uh, ten more than that for sure. That's fair. All right, Utah USC, uh, big game, Ooh. playoff implications potentially. We think we don't really know. Uh, USC lost a uh, thriller. One of the better games of the college football season, in my opinion, the first time around on the road in Salt Lake. Uh, Mm -hmm. Utah scored and went for two with the game on the line at the end of regulation because Kyle Whittingham is a dude uh, and and got it. And I think they won 49-48 on the night that they were honoring one of their fallen teammates with his, you know, with his uh, likeness on their helmet. It was a really cool scene. I think Keithy, the tight end, had like 16 catches in that game. Uh, I got back from covering the Georgia Vanderbilt game, left Kirby mm-hmm. Smart's press conference, and came home for the last quarter. And it was, or not home, but went back to the hotel for the last quarter. It was a lot of fun. Uh, what do you think we see tonight? Historically so, speaking, we normally see the the loser of the first game win the rematch. Um sure. Correct. It, it, there, there is the old adage in college football uh, that is very hard to beat the same team twice in one season. Um, we've seen that. We've seen that play over and over as Georgia fans, right? We saw it last year where Alabama beat Georgia in the SEC championship, and then Georgia beat Alabama in the national championship just a few weeks later. Um, I think that USC um, is a better team than Utah. Um, not a more complete team. I think USC's defense can be high garbage, 
But I think USC is a better team playing better football at this very moment than Utah. Um, I think you saw Oregon put Utah in some tough situations and beat them 20 to 17 in a low scoring game um, by Oregon standards just, just a couple weeks ago. And I think USC, um, I think there's too much on the line for USC. And honestly, I think there's too much on the line for Caleb Williams specifically. I think Caleb Williams is playing as good as any quarterback in the United States of America right now. Um, and, when they played earlier, you know, he already uh, put up 42 on them in their place and the defense couldn't hold. I think it'll be different this time around. I do think it'll be close. I don't think I don't think USC is going to go out there and blow the doors off of Utah. Um, but I do I do think that the USC offense is just going to be too much for what Utah is going to be able to produce from that offensive side of the ball. And I think US uh, Utah's defense is just, um, you know, the things that they weren't able to stop USC before. And so you have a blueprint that you can, I think, just continue to exploit versus this Utah defense this, this time. Yeah. I, man, I so badly want to take Utah here because of the way that they just molly Oregon last year in a rematch. Um, if you look at Utah this year, I don't think Cam Rising has really been healthy yeah. the second half of the season. Mm-hmm. He's not running the ball. And uh, Tavion Thomas is out, who is a really good running back and, you know, is, is a big part of their identity. Um, I just think Utah's a little too banged up, and, and they've kind of been uh, a little bit of a clunker at times away from home this year. Mm-hmm. I think – Oh God, man! I, I, I like I'm going to pick USC to win this game. Yeah, and minus two and a half, I feel like is is almost that's what scares me about this, man. Like, mm-hmm. what does Vegas know that I don't? Because I feel like the spread should be yeah. closer to a touchdown. And yep. I think what Vegas knows is that nothing ever goes right for the Pac-12, and yeah. that you know, like it would be so on brand for the Pac-12 for all of us to be assuming Great. USC. Like people are already talking about Georgia USC. Matchup first round. Graham, this is and called this is called the Bill Walton principle. The Bill Walton principle is the worst thing that could possibly happen for the Pac-12 is what's going to happen. <laughs> right. The Bill All right. Principle. You know what? Screw it, man. I changed my pick. Utah in the upset. Mark. All right. Getting the win. It's what always happens to the. You know, the, the Pac-12 is a lawless land in the Western territories, and uh, Utah. Gets they they do it. They just they got the grit and they got a defense and I think their defense. Well, I, I trust their defensive staff more than USC's actually. Mm-hmm. Like their defense will have a plan for Caleb Williams after getting shredded last time around. Listen, so, one of the things know, that you do know I'm is Kyle Whittingham. Right now. Utah yeah. money line. <laughs> Utah money line. Well, Kyle Whittingham will have this team ready to play. Right. I mean, Kyle Whittingham. If there's one coach in America that. uh uh, can get his team ready for a fist fight. It's definitely that guy. Um, I still think Caleb Williams is going to be too much. I think he's he's just he's just competing at too high of a level right now. But um, could totally see it going the other way. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, Saturday, uh, we're going to skip over the MAC title game, Toledo, Ohio. I'll just tell you that I'm on Ohio. Okay, Ohio has been okay. good to me personally this year. Ohio plus three. Uh, Kansas State, TCU, Horn Frogs, one and a half point favorite. Kansas State uh, coming in pretty hot. 
yep. kind of had TCU on the ropes the first time the two played, and then not kind of. Kansas State was up twenty-eight to ten in the and second lost quarter. two quarterbacks. Yeah. Uh, this time around, you know, they've benched Adrian Martinez. They've gone with Will Howard, which I think is the right move for him, for them. Like he does more with his arm. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna, you know, spend too much time on it, dude. I'm I'm picking Kansas State to win. Nice. All right. Um, we're gonna be on the opposite side of this one too. I'm 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 gonna pick TCU to win. Um, I think you know, uh TCU has shown two things. One, they've shown that their defense uh can play significantly better than it played earlier in the year. If you look at the Texas Tech game all the way through, uh 24 points allowed to Texas Tech, then 10 allowed to Texas, um, 28 to Baylor, you know, one on that last second field goal, 14 allowed to I think maybe I don't know if Iowa State scored 14 points uh against anyone this season, but no. um, just not a good offense to score nine think, on Kansas. Correct. But I do think, but I do think that the TCU defense has been playing significantly better. Um, and, uh, and again, you know, I think TCU um, is in one of those positions where it's just hard. Um, the game is in Arlington, which is right in TCU's backyard. It's hard to have this much on the line and, uh, and not expect um, Sonny Dykes and TCU to be able to pull it out. Um, also, you know, I think the one the TCU being a one and a half point favorite is actually <laughs> is actually a beautiful thing because Las Vegas knows that TCU has won seven straight games or something, or won seven straight games uh, by one possession. Um, so I think even if it's a close game, I think TCU has shown the ability to pull us out. So I'm going to go TCU uh, to cover the one and a half. All right, maybe we'll get on the maybe we'll get on the same page on the next one, Graham. Where are we going next? Uh, do you have any thoughts on Coastal and Troy? Uh, I think Troy's going to win. I think uh, the I think John Summerall is a really good coach, doing a great job with that Troy team. Um, had uh, you know the big win versus uh, versus App State earlier in the year when. Um, when uh, game day was there, <laughs> and, you know I, I think Troy's I think Troy's doing really good playing really good football perfect okay uh dog out west special here uh fresno plus three against boise trust okay. me on this i watch a lot of mountain west football uh <laughs> lsu georgia we've already shared our thoughts on yep. uh i bet georgia I, like i i caught an early line last saturday afternoon at uh georgia minus 14 and a half uh if 17 and a half is that hooks sucks man i'll be honest um, does, yeah but uh are, are you will you would you play georgia in this game if you were a you know neutral better who wasn't afraid it, of cursing the bullet if i was a neutral better i probably would not play georgia to cover the 17 and a half georgia hasn't been very good versus the spread and that hook is what scares me um as a complete homer i will definitely put some money on georgia to cover um uh, but no, I, you know, I would also, you know, I think I, I would def, you know, for me, I would also stay under the 52. Um, I could see, you know, uh, I could see Georgia coming out to sprinting out to a pretty good lead and then doing the quintessential Kirby and, and slowing it down a little bit in the second half. Perfect. Okay. Uh, UCF Tulane. UCF Tulane, man, are we going to ride Tulane the Gus favored bus? by three and a half? Yeah, are we going to ride the Gus bus to a near six ball? Um, I, 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 I'm not. Yeah, I think Willie Fritz, 
uh, flirted with Georgia Tech, with taking a new job, and then decided to or or whatever happened, ended up staying at Tulane. I think Willie Fritz is a really good football coach. Um, I think Tulane. Um, uh, it, one thing has to happen if Tulane can stop the run game for UCF, which teams have been able to do this year. But you got to stop John Reese Plumley, um, get him contained, and I think Tulane can do that. And I think it'll be. Uh, I don't think it'll be an easy win, but I think I think Tulane will win a close one. But I do think they'll cover the four. Great. Um, I I'm going with Tulane as well. I think uh, I think they're going to have a little bit of like a, you know, a feel good kind of. Just how should I put it? You know, just just good vibes based on the. Uh, the whole kind of Fritz staying, turning down Georgia Tech, aka Georgia Tech didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. That whole thing will, I think, power them a little bit. Uh, Clemson, North Carolina. Uh, Clemson favored by seven and a half, which I, you know, I would love this more if it was six and a half, but I am going with. Uh, I'm going with Clemson, man. This this Carolina team has kind of hit the skids <clears throat> here at the end yeah. of the year, which is sort of the MO for all Phil Longo offenses is to start out well and end poorly. Uh, Drake mm-hmm. May is really good. Josh Downs is really good. The offensive line and defensive lines are not. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, like, it's, it's a weird spot because it seems like the cat's kind of already out of the bag, the DJU maybe heading mm-hmm. to the portal. Um, mm-hmm. Drake may might be heading to the portal. Like this is just a really weird game against yeah. two teams that don't seem like they really want to be here, but yep. I, I, that's kind of why I'm going to Clemson because for all of the fun that I make of Dabo, like he does have a, a very good program culture when it comes to these types of yeah. spots and making its guys yeah. show up and play hard. Yeah, I think Clemson just also has better players on the on uh, the defensive side of the football than than North Carolina can match up with. Like, I think you know Josh Downs, um, really good football player, but you've seen the last couple of weeks where um, teams have been able to uh, affect Drake May and people. You know, teams have been able to get into a situation where um, where you you put. North Carolina and some stressful situations uh, on the offensive side of the ball, and it hasn't really gone well. And I think I think uh, uh, Clemson can definitely do that. So um, I am picking Clemson uh, to win as well. Perfect. All right, and then last but not least, we have the Big Twelve. Uh, I'm sorry, the Big Ten championship game: Purdue at Wolverines, favored by sixteen and a half. Um, man, so this is a tough one, right? Like Purdue, this big 10 West, it came down to what? Like, I don't know, a four way tie. I don't know how far they had to go down, (laughs) how far they had to go down in like their tiebreakers or whatever for Purdue to end up uh, in this situation. Um, but I think at, at the end of the day, um, Purdue, Purdue can make this game close. Um, they they have the ability to make the game close. If Aiden O'Connell is able to uh, throw the ball, mm-hmm. I think they have the ability to to make the game close. Um, but I don't know that Michigan is going to allow them 
to do it. So um, I think if you also look at, you know, I think versus Northwestern a couple weeks ago, Purdue was just God awful in like a 17 to nine win or something. So um, I'm going to go with Michigan. I'm going to go with Michigan to win big. I think Michigan's is going to bully ball them. I think Michigan's going to do kind of what they did to Ohio state, line it up and run it at them and, uh, hope that 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 run game um, is successful enough that it opens up some of those um, explosive opportunities in the past game. So give me Michigan. Give me Michigan big. Give me Michigan to cover. Uh, give me Michigan to make the CFP committee think if they're going to put Michigan number one in the final standings. I think Michigan's probably going to win that big. I don't think they will do it. I think I if they think were going to move for number one, they would have done it last week. Um, I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, Purdue. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna throw this in with one more LSU nugget. Like, if you look at LSU this year, their their offense has hit a freeze point a couple times. Mm-hmm. Like against Auburn, Daniels was eight of twenty passing for eighty yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, against Arkansas, he's eight of fifteen passing for eighty six yards and a pick, mm-hmm. and they scored ten points. It, and then you know against Auburn. They scored 21 and one despite getting out gained by like double the yards and, you know, really not. Uh, I think they had a defensive touchdown and like a special teams play kind of thing. Uh, long story short, LSU, you know, also 13 points against Tennessee. Much like the LSU offense has a freeze point that it hits against decent defenses, good defenses at times, and it's mm-hmm. going to hit against Georgia tomorrow. Purdue also has quite the freeze point. Uh, it feels like an eternity. Since that 35-31 shootout they played with Penn State on opening night of the season. And, yeah, I mean, they did get Illinois. But, yeah, 17 points against Northwestern, as you alluded to earlier. Uh, you know, 20 points against Minnesota. A 28-26 win over Florida Atlantic. I, I just – I don't think Michigan messes around with this. Uh, yeah. I just and, and I mean honestly, like let's be honest, uh Ohio State's like just one or two degrees off from this Purdue offense when it comes to pass happiness. So Yeah, true. I and and you know, Michigan obviously had a lot of success with them. So yep. I am going with uh Michigan minus sixteen and a half, and I would suggest you hit that before it gets to seventeen or seventeen oh, yeah. and a half. If yeah. You know, you're you're into that type of action, yep. which I am. Me too. Same, same. All right, All Graham, right, we've got, we got a big weekend yeah. of college football. Um, join us over at Dog Central if you haven't already. Uh, we have an advanced – Graham has a great advanced stats preview of the SEC championship game. Um, we will be having live discussion over there during the game as well. Um, obviously, we'll be talking about all the implications of – uh, the other championship games that, that go down this evening. And, uh, man, the season has gone by too quickly. Uh, but for some of us, it. for some of us, it's not over. It is not. All right. Not anywhere. Al- Al- Alabama fans are wondering uh, if they've seen uh, the last game of Bryce Young in an Alabama uniform while we're, yeah. we're over here getting ready to uh, get getting ready to, to run another college p- football playoff. Who knows? You might have seen the last uh, game of Nick Saban in an Alabama uniform as well. Hey, we'll see. We'll see. We'll leave you with that nugget.